Dungeons and Drimbus is rated R for rude language, rough violence, and raunchy humor. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com survey today. I do declare, here's what happened previously on Dungeons and Dreamers. After a tense introduction to Reclaimer Captain Logan, Gary and the others come up with a plan to depose Judge King Rengar and restore Longreach to its former glory. They then have a rehearsal in the theater's house, Calvin trains with Gary's help, and they head to the costume shop to dig up a disguise for Gary, world-renowned author Ray G. Globerny. With everything ready, they get some shut-eye as they prepare for the day's events. I do declare, Yorana is back in session. Gary, you awaken in your home in the town of Golden Sands. Your wife, Angelina, lays in your arms. It's still dark outside, and a cool night breeze rolls in off the desert sands. What do you do? Yeah, he's gonna get up out of the bed and go take a walk. Yeah. You begin to get up out of bed, and you look back at your wife, her round belly, as she's beginning to show and as you begin to step out the door, Angelina says, Foma, can I ask you something? Yeah. What's the baby's name? Kalmar. <laughs> How do you know? I, I don't know. I, what do you want to name? I don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe... Maybe I'm just anxious, but no matter how hard I try, I I can't see the baby. Oh, well, of course you can't see the baby. It's in your stomach. No, it hasn't come out yet. I know, I know. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, I, I keep wanting to think of baby names, and I know I'm pregnant, and I know I'll have a baby in a few months, but no matter how hard I try... When I imagine the baby being born, I just see nothing. I can't even picture myself after the pregnancy. Sweetheart, everything's going to be fine. We're going to have a beautiful baby boy named Calvin. All right? 
and uh, half the fun is the the surprises that uh, life will bring. All right, it's not gonna be easy, okay? But uh, we've got each other's backs, and uh, we've got a life to look forward to, and and a, a little a little new life to look forward to, to grow into a big life. What if we can't protect him? <sighs> Maybe. I don't know what if a media strikes us like in the next five seconds. It, something's just out of your control, sweetheart. But there's nothing to worry about. You blink, and you're in the doctor's home. Grizabeth sobs on your shoulder. Now, it's not entirely hopeless. I just want to be realistic here. With the resources we have available to us, we might be able to save the child. However, this is going to be an invasive operation, Meredith. Fulma, if you choose to go through with this, there is a high chance we may lose you, Grizzabeth. I can't do that. No. I, take, I can't do it. Take a second to think about it. No outcome I, is guaranteed, good or bad. I don't bad, need a second. But I don't need a second. No, I'm not losing her. It's fine. It, it, we'll, we'll try again. I don't know. No. I'm not. No, no. I'm having this baby, Gary. Meredith, you can't be serious. I mean it. I don't know why, but I know I need to have him. You won't. Why don't the two of you take a second, talk about it, think about it. But know that whatever you decide, we will do everything we can to save you both. You blink, and again you are somewhere else. So, you in or you out, mister? Ray, before you is the dealer you've spent the last month trying to arrange a meeting with. In your hands, you carry your notebook and a hundred gold, nearly every last piece of gold to your name. Before you is a towering red ogre wrapped in cloth so that you can barely make their eyes out. They stand in front of a sled pulled by sand walruses, and in their hand, they hold the staff that you've been trying to get your hands on. What do you do? Uh, what, uh, I want to see what my notebook says, actually. Roll a history check with disadvantage. That's a nine. So you can't quite remember all the details, but you know that these are your notes. Notes on the arcane. In particular, a lot of notes on necromancy. You can't quite make everything out. You feel like, from a glance, you would need to sit and study it. In your current state, it's not quite making perfect sense to you. Can I get a closer look? Here, man. And he tosses you the staff. Oh. Uh, can I get insight on what the staff does? Roll an arcana check for me. Fuck. Seven. So you recognize this as the staff of the necromancer. You know it's a staff that you've been looking for. However, in terms of how to use it, you are totally lost at this point in time. Uh, he like hits it on the side. Like, so uh, is it on? Whoa, does it... whoa, whoa. Be careful with that. How does this even work? He's like inspecting it, closely bringing it to his eyes. That's your deal, man. You paying up or what? <sighs> All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm paying up. You toss him the bag full of 100 gold. Almost the entirety of your savings. You clutch your staff tight as you crawl out of the house as fast as you can. 
Inside are the recently deceased and apparently reanimated bodies of the Doctor and Meredith. Your stomach turns and you take 10 points of poison damage. Suddenly, as you stumble outside of your home, your neighbor, Horin, runs outside, coughing blood. <coughs> He's sputtering and falls to the ground as you hear more coughs form inside more houses. Triss runs out of her home. Then Yolmar, Breck, Kingsley. All around you, they are sputtering as you hear the monstrous noises from inside your house. Your stomach turns and you take another 15 points of damage. You're fading fast. What do you do? I'm going to use false life and run to the authorities. You cast false life from the staff and you regain six temporary hit points as this black vapor comes out and you breathe it in. As you breathe it, it is this unpleasant feeling. It is unnatural. And you feel it almost kind of corrupting you and your body as the poison is still killing you. But this is somehow not really preventing the death, more like putting it off and you breathe it in. (laughs) You let out a chuckle and you run as you see your wife, Grizabeth, stumbles out of your home, glazed over eyes, drooling, lifeless. Her round belly protrudes, and you can see your child's face, your son, his little green goblin ears, his bright shining eyes full of love. You can almost hear his little voice. Daddy? Your boy. What's his name, Gary? Calvin. You think Calvin, and your staff explodes. And you wake up in a sweat. You sleep in the cramped makeshift quarters of the Just Over There theater. A few feet away, Yargin is sitting up, braiding his beard. He looks to you. You can't sleep either, can you? What time is it? Uh, in my calculations, probably 5 a.m.-ish. What time does the shops open up? Usually around 6 or 7. Okay. What's, uh, what's the matter with you? How come you can't sleep? I suspect probably the same things going on with you. You got nightmares? Something like that, eh? More like memories. What about? He finishes braiding his beard. He kind of like ties a knot at the bottom of it. He goes, just, uh, mistakes I've made. You live as long as I do, and you're forced to make peace with your demons. But that doesn't mean they go away. What's on your mind? Mm, I'm, I'm getting more sick every day. I might not be around if we, uh, wait any longer. Well... Hopefully after today, we can make our way to the monastery and get you sorted out, eh? Yeah. You just need to hold out a little longer for us, pal. I need Chris to get those potions appraised as fast as possible. Got a big day today. I notice you have a lot of children with you. You thought about what, uh... Sorry. Let's not get too grim. (laughs) Well... 
can never be too careful. What is it? Do you have a plan in place for them? If, uh, if you don't get better? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my family knows, and, uh, I'm gonna make sure to keep my distance. They better keep theirs. And, uh, if it's not me in this body anymore, you, you're gonna have to kill me. I certainly hope it doesn't come to that. The folks at the monastery are fine people. If we can get to them, I'm sure they can do something for you. I will do everything I can to help you out. I'm gonna need your charisma and big words to rally these people. I think I have a little experience with that. You seem like quite a showman. I I try to be at the very least. Does he still have his eye patch? He does still have his eye patch. Anyways, I just uh, I know what it's like to carry some burdens. So, if you ever want to talk to someone, I'm here. But I think today's a little bit more about action, eh? Oh, more for you. I gotta um feel out the people here. See who's on board. Gotta be careful that they don't uh, rat us out. I, I'm a bit nervous about it, if I'm being honest. And suddenly, your child comes running up and holds you tight. Mommy, I had a bad dream. It said, Mommy. What? It's me, Cal. It's Dad. What, what, do you, what did you call me? You called me Mommy. <laughs> I'm... Uh, <laughs> And as you try to focus your eyes, you realize that this is not Calvin. Calvin is sleeping a few feet away next to Grizabeth. Silas looks up at you, realizing what he just said. So sorry. I thought you were... I forgot. He lets you go and he looks down at the floor. What's the, what's the problem? N nothing. Sorry. I was being silly. It was just a bad dream. What were you dreaming about? Um, that my... That my mommy got hurt. Must have been pretty scary, huh? Yeah. Silas, I'm here for you, okay? You can come to me for anything. Thank you, Mr. Ray. You can just call me Ray. He finally, like, looks up at you and he smiles, like a sad smile, but a little response. He says, thank you, Ray. He, he gets down on one knee and opens hands for a hug. Uh, yeah, he takes it. I'm gonna go lay back down so I, I don't wake my sister up, but uh, thank you. I'm uh, sorry for, wait, um, sorry, I got confused. Yeah, you, uh, you want a snack or something help you go to bed? Uh, yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, what do you want? I'm not a mind reader. <laughs> <laughs> well, ah, <clears throat> uh, okay. Um, well, what do you what do you got? Would you like a chocolate or an orange? A banana, maybe. Uh, I'll take a chocolate orange. Uh, yeah, right, one second. And he he has like a little, like a craft table almost with little boxes full of goodies and he grabs a little chocolate truffle and an orange and he goes, here to go, lad. He actually gives him an extra one and he goes, and have this for your sister, eh? Thank you, Mr. Argon. 
uh, uh, go, okay, goodbye. And he, like, goes back to his little sleeping bag where Solera is. <coughs> you hear an intense hacking from the house of the theater. I'm going to go check out what that was. All right, you see Jorgen hears it too and, like, furrows his eyebrows and follows up with you. And as you step out from where you are, you climb up that little ladder, you open the hatch, you look out to the house of the theater, and you hear, It's going to be all right, Barnabas. Here, have some water. You see Strong cradling Barnabas's head as he wipes some blackened spittle from around his mouth. What's wrong with him? He looks up at you and he has kind of tired eyes. You feel like he's been up for a while already. And he says, He's getting worse. All those days trapped in that rubble. He must have breathed in some really nasty stuff. We need a doctor. Mm, what's his name? Ah, uh, the piano guy, Andrew. Maybe he can help. I can have him take a look at him today. I, I don't know that he's too much of a cleric or a healer or anything. There's a place over potions and lotions. They aren't producing much right now, but there's a pretty good uh, potion maker over there might be able to help. If not, if you can hold out a few more days, if we can clear up the monastery, they might be able to help. I'll talk to him today. Well, speaking of, sun's on the way up. Should we go over the plan? Uh, yeah, but, uh, I'm nervous. Tell me your symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> My throat. It burns. <coughs> it feels like it's closing up. It's very hard to breathe. <coughs> He's been coughing up black. Almost like there's literal ash in his lung. Alright. When I come to town, I'll uh, see if I can get something for that. Thank you. I haven't forgotten what I owe you. Just, uh, take it easy, Barnabas. And, uh, stay safe. I, I don't know. Things, things are going down today. Stay safe. <laughs> All right. So, the plan. Ray, you're going around town trying to rile the people up. Now, lad, I don't know how familiar you are with Longreach, but there's a couple of primary locales you might want to try in. Hit up. There's the, uh, the Skulk and Sea Hag. It's kind of our go-to bar. Uh, potions and lotions. You've got uh, Drenevir and Sons Metalworking. Those are kind of the uh, the main draws in the center of town. There's also uh, Arnold's Artifacts. But that business is basically shut our down. The other booming part of town is a seaport. Believe it or not, we didn't used to have docks, but... The seaport got added in. We get a lot of import and export through there. However, it's reclaimer run. So if your goal is to speak to people, I don't think that's going to be the place to go. Okay. And uh, anything in the royal district? None of us have been allowed to see the royal district in a few years at this point. So I couldn't tell you. Okay. When you're ready... You'll head to the palace to try and apply for residency as an author, I believe. That's right. Be careful not to get caught by the Garalans before you're ready. If you don't have your papers on you, they'll take you to Rengor straight away. Gotcha. And, um, where do I find Logan? I have a feeling he'll find us. Okay. 
Meanwhile, Jorgen is going to cause a commotion to get himself thrown in the underhand hold. I spent the night practicing some new forms to try and help. Watch this. Yeah! <laughs> Strong shapeshifts, clearly with a lot of effort, into what looks like a rat with like an exposed brain. And then you hear in your head, you can tell it's not being spoken out loud, but you hear it in your brain. Small enough, mostly inconspicuous, and I can still communicate. I can try and find keys or scout out locations, pretty much any stealth you might need. Uh, this is freaky. Uh, I don't have, this is so freaky I can't even process. <laughs> Right, sorry. And he shapeshifts back into a goblin, and he says, I was experimenting with a number of forms uh, throughout the night, in case uh, a couple of them might come in handy. This is the one... Thank you, thank you. I'm really quite nervous about it. This is the one I kind of focus on the most, but I have a few others I can try out if we need. I'm not fully confident in them. Yeah, try Try him on. Here's the... And you see, he starts wild shaping. His head turns into... Do you know what a terror bird is? I'm going to look it up. For the listeners at home, they were these massive birds that ruled after the dinosaurs that had these big, big beaks. Kind of imagine an ostrich, but with like a heavy, like carnivorous head. Uh, And so you see his head kind of turns into something similar to that. It's something called an axe beak. As his neck elongates, you see a couple of feathers sprout, the beak grows out. Uh, However, as he strains, it then reverts back and he says, I don't quite have that one down yet, but maybe a little adrenaline will help. So, um, a telekinesis thing. It's rather short range. Uh, It's a form called a, it's called a cranium rat. So you find those out in nature? The more fucked up parts of nature, but yes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Good, good. Good job. Right. Thank you. Anyway, so uh, by the time you present to Judge King Rengar, hopefully the prisoners will be preparing to bust out in time to help you subdue him. That said, I have two points of concern. One, knowing what I know, the crowd might be a bit rowdy and, uh, let's say over eager to get their hands on the bastard. So if you're hoping for a peaceful resolution, uh, just know that the crowd might pose uh, a challenge there. Okay. Two, how much do we trust Reclaimer Captain Logan? My doubts have uh, been growing, if I'm honest. But as long as we have an army, it shouldn't be too bad. If he does flip. He does know our entire plan. I trust that we can possibly follow through, but if he does flip, just be ready for things to go south. You look like you can handle yourself, but be ready to improvise. Ah, cranium rats, common in long reach. I haven't seen one before. That said, from a distance, I don't think I'd notice the brain. Stick to the shadows, we might be okay. They might just mistake you for a regular rat. How bad do you need strong in the underhand? (sighs) That really depends how helpful Captain Logan comes in. The main thing that I think I need from him are keys. Would he be useful in the underhand after that? Possibly. But if I get the keys, 
I'm fairly confident I can try and manage the race on my own if I need to. I'm thinking that we have strong sending messages back and forth. That way, something goes wrong. Strong gives us the heads up. That sounds good to me, lot. Any other concerns? I hope you had a lot to drink today, Strong, because you're going to be doing a lot of running back and forth. He takes some of the water from Barnabas's hand and begins chugging it down. <laughs> All right. Legs mostly healed, so I feel good. If, if we can pull this off, this can be really good for us, Ray. Now, when we confront the king, he might try to run, and the war might uh, commence right then and there. So, if we catch him off guard, say, grab him and use him like a body shield, then we can have some sort of negotiation instead of a full-scale war. I like the way you think, lot. If I can't do it, Strong, I don't know, maybe you can turn into uh, some kind of animal and subdue him. I can definitely try. Okay. That's my plan to uh, cover the whole full-scale war thing. Other than that, I think we've got everything nailed down. Hey. Daddy? Calvin runs up to you. I turn to look at Calvin. I want to help. Yeah. You are going to help. Really? Yeah. Your job is to protect mommy. I don't want to stay here, Dad. I want to be a hero like you and Jorgen. Heroes have to do sometimes things that they don't want to do. And if no one is here to protect mommy, how would that make you feel? Not very heroic, would it? You know, the real Jeremiah spent most of his time trying to protect us. Especially that Jezeline, he was a big fan of her. Really? Aye. So, if you stay here to protect the innocent, that's the most Jeremiah thing I can think of. Wow. Can I have a fork, please? Sorry, did you just say the real Jeremiah? <laughs> yeah. Gary look, he looks at him funny. And then, uh... Looks for a fork. <laughs> Roll an insight check for me. <laughs> Eight. <laughs> um, okay. You look at a Yargon funny and you don't notice anything in return. Uh, but I know. <laughs> Seeing you looking around for the fork, Yargon kind of leads you to the snack table and he passes you a fork. Okay. I'm ready. And he holds the fork in both hands. And at this point, you hear that most of the people beneath the deck, you guys have been planning for about an hour now, and most of the people beneath the deck are beginning to wake up. Uh, some of them are starting to come out onto the stage area. They all pretty much know what's up, and uh, Grizabeth comes up behind you and gives you a hug. Oh. Hello there, Mr. Globamy. <laughs> oh, Angelina. What would my wife say? <laughs> oh, you little devil. Oh, she squeezes your butt. <laughs> I spank her. Gross. <laughs> oh, mommy had a bug on her booty. I 
what? He holds up the fork. <laughs> I got it. I don't mean to rush anything, but it's about time we get started. Uh, just take your time. But when you're ready, let's go. All right. Puts his clawed hand on her cheek. Yeah. She grabs your face with both her hands and she gives you like a big kiss for several seconds. And then when she lets go, your foreheads are still touching. And she whispers, I love you so much, Gary. I love you more than I have words for. All right. Go. You better be back in time for dinner. He's going to start putting on that author's outfit. Okay. Yeah. You start putting on the author's outfit. Oh, my. That's right. <sighs> Ray G. Globamy, esteemed author. Oh, <laughs> that is... My goodness. Go look, Daddy. And he comes in, he gives you a hug, but then you see behind you, he's still like pointing out the fork. <laughs> look, Jeremiah. Oh, Jorgen. Hey. I got to mail something. Might as well do it on the mission. Where do I do that? Uh, if you take it to the innkeeper, the skull can see hack. He can give it to his courier and send it out. Just. Most mail traditionally gets searched by the reclaimers. So, if you've got anything fishy in there. I see. Really quick, run through how the mailing system here works. Well, it works just like about anywhere else, but because of the way that uh, in entrance and exit to the city of Longreach is handled, uh, people can't just leave on a whim. So traditionally, uh, most of the mail is taken to the reclaimers themselves, and... They then pass it on to a post office outside of town. Uh, where's that post office? Probably an hour's ride. Can I send someone to that post office? I'd rather not let the reclaimers look through what I have to send. I can do it. You see Yorick pops out of the hatch. I'd love to go on a little adventure. <sighs> Jorgen like puts his head in his hands and he goes, okay. Yeah, I can do that, but if you're going to do it, just be stealthy, please. You don't want to be caught coming in or coming out. Oh, yeah, I'm so stealthy. He grabs one of Yorick's hands with both hands. Yorick, are you up to this task? It's very, very important. Okay, what I have here is confidential. It is not for anyone else's eyes. It is very dangerous going in and out of town. His eyes widen when you say it's not for anyone else's eyes as he stares at the book. Like his eyes trembling and he goes, it's the least I can do for you, Ray. I'm serious. Don't feel pressured to do this. If you can't handle it, it's fine. But it's very, very important that I get this sent. My siblings and I used to work for the circus. We're very good at sneaking in and out of tight spaces. Perfect. He's going to hand him a deadly flirtation, the book, with the corresponding journal. Okay. Yeah, he takes it and he says, I will get this to live it safely. Thank you for everything, Ray. Okay. You're sending this to 24 Monaghan Way in Brookhaven. You got it. You, you see him taking down notes. If you don't trust the post office to uh, keep their wandering eyes away then don't do it. Yeah. It's okay. I'll understand. Okay. This means a lot to me, Yara. And you're going to help a lot of people doing this. I appreciate that. 
You've helped us so much, it's the least I can do. I will get this done. Thank you. Good luck, Ray. And you. All right. If you're ready to go. Let's do it. Let's go, lads. Strong wild shapes into the cranium rat. And the three of you walk out of the just over there theater as inside all of the ensemble watch on with anxious looks in their eyes. We're halfway there. Faster, Fitzpatrick. This, this is the halftime ad with Nikki B. What's happening? I don't know, mysterious voice. To the Dream Cave! Away! Is that... An entity approaches. Yes, I'm saying that too. Whatever it is, it seems to have high fantasy elements with... Ooh, a magical world. <laughs> Spiritual threats. Interparty conflict. And immersive sound design. Hold up. I think I can tune into its frequency. Those that both creators and were created by the threads disentangle from the fringes to feast on the very thing that spawned them. What's up, Tilly? This is how you deal with me! No! Do not! <laughs> my children! Oh, you lost a feather. Can I keep it? No, you can't force me to! Do you know what lies within nothing? Rocket is in trouble, Akasa! Can, can we turn on the windshield remotely? No! She could lose her job as Nakasar. I don't fear Vehar, no. But you fear me. If you intend to trick me, I will not hesitate to sever the oath bond entirely. Why didn't you help me? Coward! I don't have a parachute! I don't like free-falling! Counterbalance, a high fantasy audio drama. Season 2, coming 15th of October 2023. Learn more on trilunas.com. I got it. It's called Counterbalance, and it looks like one hell of an audio drama. I kinda liked it. Can't lie, mysterious disembodied voice. I thought the cast was pretty great, and you know I love me some inner party conflict. Should we listen, listen to more? more? Yeah. Looks like it's available at Trilunis.com. Or we can just... Search for Counterbalance on our podcast app. We should tell the patrons. Oh, yeah, totally should. Yeah, just gonna message them real quick. Jerry Benetados, Queso Loco, Claire Jean Kelly, November Sky, John Mitchell, Greta Benier, Alejandro Lopez, Ace Andrews, Thomas Murphy, Regina Russell, Salty, Sam Olivos, Jordan Cobb, The Unnamed Rogue, John Gillette, Connie on DVD, Doubtful Guest, Michael Richters, Davis Walden, Denny Dewdrop, Myth Mouse, Kelly Wolf, Brandon and Bishop, Twiglets, Joanna, Westberger, Stan Sitzman, Scrambles, The Death Dealer, Aaron Adams, Nathan Messon, Ruth Anatos, Morgan Lawson, Trip, Wilhelmina, Fox, Stoner Panda, Melissa Rain, Hensational, Aaron Servania, Butts, A Plenty, The Lone Trumpeter, Uvula, Nutria, Normally Me, Dane Kohlhoff, and Loon. 
go check out Counterbalance and let them know we sent you. Oh, and thanks for supporting the show. All right, send. Oh, hey, friends, it's me, your Dungeon Master, Russ Moore. You don't know me, but I'm going to introduce you to Dungeons and Dragons, where I play D&D with my friends, and th- and they're going to become your friends because you're going to love us so much. I mean, maybe, maybe you won't love us, but we'll love you. And we just started season three, which means it's the perfect place to start with us. Let me give you a taste of the show in 42 seconds. Let's go. You must have a, f- and a flask. He's anything. got a satchel. That's the most disappointed <laughs> way I've ever heard anyone say the word satchel. Cost. How much is a donkey cost? Donkey Russ, cost? how much? Is the a question everyone wants to know. <laughs> For one hour. It's concentration. So if you do another concentration spell, it's abjuration, you doink. It's concentration. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like exactly the sort of person you should probably tell your friends about. The kind that are there and say like weird, mysterious things and then just disappear. Yeah, that's why I'm telling oh, you. Okay. Also, he had three eyes. Oh. We're having this rager. I mean, Lich Astley and the Magic Magic Missiles is going to be playing later tonight. Find out why Dungeons and Dragons has been downloaded more than a million times. Start listening to season three today anywhere fine podcasts are found or at dumbdragons.com. As you step out, you see the city of Longreach. With the blizzard raging slightly less today, it is now easier to actually take in your surroundings. There is a massive giant's hand frozen in place above the city. As you look upon the town proper from where you stand, you see a beautiful snow-covered town square. The businesses seem to be organized around the park's centerpiece which is a large bronze statue of various figures upon a sailing ship. You see a dwarf, a half-elf, a human in a cowboy hat, along with a long-haired human in flowy robes holding hands with a tabaxi. Behind the dwarf are two small tabaxi children. Toward the back of the ship is a sprawled-out human man with his legs crossed, eating what looks to be an orange. And finally, at the helm of the ship, is a tabaxi in a captain's uniform. Along the side of the ship, you see letters that spell out the fox eye, and a plaque at the base of the statue that reads the heroes of Longreach. Dotted around the town, you see all the various other businesses. You can't really make them out exactly, but based off what Yargan told you earlier, you see residences, and you think you can kind of pinpoint the different areas. You see the skulking sea hag toward the west, Uh, You see this building that it's made of like patchwork metal to give it that kind of like retro future look almost very like worn down. uh, And you think that that's probably Drenevere and Sun's metal working. Uh, You see a really cute like purple place that you assume is potions and lotions. And then you see a store that is this kind of like pale brownish yellow with a very like classic cursive font that seems to kind of be uncared for that you think is Arnold's artifacts. You can't see it from here, but you can see signs that kind of generally point to where the seaport is, and then behind you, quite a bit off, you see the Reclaimer Gate, which seems to be the main entrance into town, and past that, you see, like, the welcome sign, and you can kind of see signs that seem to point towards something that says LRU. Where do you want to go first? Dude, I gotta check out LRU. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. LRU, while it is part of Longreach, 
it is a campus basically next door. So you would have to exit through the town right now to go to LRU. It is not within like the city limits. It's a it's adjacent to it. So you can do that. Just be aware it would be slightly riskier to actually exit the town past the reclaimer gate. Okay, we'll do that later. Okay. Into the list. First up, potions and lotions. There are Goralans kind of routinely patrolling. Currently, there are none directly in your path, but you're gonna have to pass enough open area that it is a risk of being spotted. So please roll a stealth check for me as you pass through the square to uh, get to potions and lotions. All right, I think I'll walk with you, lad, until I see a good opportunity. Uh, help you get the lay of the land a little bit. I will have to get a head start on you if I want to rile them all up in time. All right. Here goes nothing. All right. That's a 19. Yargen kind of strolls just fine, and you see that Strong in rat form, like, basically disappears into the snow. And you quickly run over to potions and lotions as uh, you wait for the Goralans to pass. And when they do, you duck across and you approach the purple building. It's like a lilac purple with details in this very, like, sky blue. The sign kind of looks like a bubble bath with a very, like, TJ Maxx mom font that reads potions and lotions. But you enter. And as you enter, you see uh, it is tile flooring, very colorful tile flooring. There is a little counter. And there is clearly a back area where you hear tons of stuff bubbling away and steaming. And you see a chubby halfling nerd kind of dressed in a little wizard hat with a bow tie comes out and he goes, Hey there! Hi! Oh, ooh, a new visitor? Hi, my name's Gordy. Nice to meet you. Jargon, what are you doing here? Hi, Gordy. Uh, this is uh, a town, my friend. Uh, introduce yourself. <laughs> I am the... Ray G. Glabame, author. Roll a charisma check for me. Five. <laughs> I'm afraid I haven't heard of you. A pleasure to meet you. Name's Gordy. And he holds out a little chubby hand. Yeah, Gary holds up. He goes like with the claw hand and he has to switch to like the left hand and then inverts the left <laughs> hand so that he could shake it. <laughs> Eccentric character. Uh, welcome. Not used to uh, customers this early. What can I do for you? I have two very big jobs for you, my friend. Oh. First of all, can you tell me a little bit about these? He pulls out the green and purple potions from Ostrogon. Okay, um, you want me to do an appraisal? Yes, please. I gotta take it out back, uh, do a few tests on it. It's, uh, that'll be ten gold, though. Very well. He takes the ten gold and he goes, I will be right back. And you see he runs into the back with his potions, and you hear... What do I see in the store while he's doing it? Roll a, um... Let's call it a nature check for me. 14. Okay, yeah. So you see a lot of, like, salves and stuff like that. Some stuff is, like, useful in the sense of... They're not full antibiotics, but would have, like, antibiotic properties to help with, like, simple injuries. But you're not seeing anything crazy, and you're seeing a couple of, like essential oils and stuff like that that you kind of know are like snake oil bullshit like if you believe it works maybe the placebo effect helps you out and you buy it but not necessarily super helpful after a few minutes gordy comes out and he goes okay so we have here a and he holds out the green bottle he says this here is a potion of invisibility believe it or not 
And this here, and he puts the purple flask down, is a potion of flight. How'd you get your hands on these? <laughs> uh, good friend of mine. You don't sell anything like that? Uh, new to town, huh? I am. Roll a charisma check with advantage. Natural 20. Natural 20. He immediately fucking spills his guts to you. He goes, nope, not any fucking more. Not for Gordy. No, no, no. No potions. I'm just here making fucking hemp creams, distilling alcohol for the tavern. I'm not allowed to make any real cures. If you knew the shit I could do with these hands, with all this knowledge, huh? Instead, all the resources I would need to make some real good, they all get sent to the monastery. I'm a glorified bartender! <laughs> Gordy, Gordy, who's in charge here? What do you mean? Who's responsible for this terrible uh, infraction of your business? <laughs> he looks out the door and he goes, who do you think? Hmm. Sorry, sorry, oh. that was inappropriate of me. I, I'm no, sorry. no, listen. What if someone could help you with your little problem? What? Big problem, I should say. In what way? You got resources or something? Well, I've got ears and eyes, and they tell me things. Let's just say an opportunity knocks, my friend. He squints his eyes, and then he looks from you to Yargan, and he goes, Rock Bottom? Who is this guy? You can trust him. It's fine. Roll another persuasion check for me. Seven. Sorry, mister. Look, I'm not going to say anything, but I... That's your business. I don't get involved in that. Hey, friend. You don't have to do anything. I'm just saying what I heard. And, uh, you decide whether or not you heard it. But basically, it's been said things around here aren't working right. And maybe the people in charge shouldn't be. Sometime soon, people are looking to change things, and they're looking for certain people to uh, see who's accepting of the change, if you know what I'm saying. I don't know what to tell you, man. I, uh, I'm really happy with the way things are, but you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> and uh, what you want to do about that? Totally up to you. Right. All that is to say, if anything was to happen, change of leadership, you know, I'm assuming that would be something that you would find favorable. Hmm. Well, you know, you seem like a guy with a fair bit of money. Uh, famous author, apparently. I know you guys usually have eccentric tastes. I might have a little, a little something under the, uh, under the counter that you might be interested in. Uh, sure, I mean, maybe. And uh, he glances around again, and he pulls a drawer open, and you see these three round bottles. They kind of look like potion bottles, but there's no stopper to, like, drink them. And they're full of this, like, green acid. It's wrapped up in some rope, and it looks like really thin glass. Like, glass that would be really easy to shatter. Potions of acid splashing. Throwable. If you're interested. Would that really do a lot of damage, or it's just like an acid splash spell? Roll a arcana check for me. Natural fucking 20. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you get the feeling that this is very similar to a regular acid splash spell, 
but it is as if you were casting it at a higher level. It would be the effect of 2d6. And when you throw it, you get the feeling that this would likely coat a terrain. So anyone passing over it for a certain amount of time would be afflicted with the spell. Yeah, he leans in. How much? 30. For one. For all three. I'll give you 10 for one. Roll a persuasion check for me. 17. I don't normally split up the pair, but uh, yeah. Fuck it. Go ahead. Thank you for your business. It's nice to see someone who appreciates proper fucking alchemy. <laughs> and then he slides the drawer back in. And as he does, you notice that it's one of those drawers with a false bottom. So when he closes it in, the like the empty fake bottom slides in. <laughs> now, if you're caught with that, I don't know. You didn't you. get it from me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one more thing. I was hoping you could help me with. Yeah. I got a friend. He's uh not doing too well. His throat's burning. He's short of breath. He's got a closing of a throat. Yeah, hard to breathe, he says. He's got a bad cough, and uh, he's coughing up this uh, this ash-like substance. You know anything about that? You have anything that can help him? Do you know what might have caused it? Yeah, there was um, an attack, some kind of creature. Huh? And the collapse, it collapsed under a building. It was bad. Sounds like it might be a lot of smoke inhalation or something like that. I might be able to work up a salve to help open up the passageways a little bit by the end of today. Uh, but if you want, like, full treatment, that's something you probably want to go to the monastery for. Well, can't really do that now, but a doctor, at least, somewhere. Yeah, I don't think it was just Ash. Uh. But yeah, if you have something to help ease his suffering, let I me guess. let me head in the back, and I'll I can probably whip up something. It's not gonna make a huge difference, but it should help ease a little bit of the breathing, a little bit of the pain. How much? Give me a gold piece. He hands it to him, and he heads to the back, and you like hear the clinking of like a mortar and pestle, and uh, a couple of things bubbling away, and before long, he comes back out with like a little glass tub with an ointment inside that is kind of this like menthol color, kind of like Vicks Vapor Rub, like that semi-translucent whitey consistency. And he hands it to you. He says, just uh, put that on the chest and uh, under the nose, kind of to help open up the passageways. Like I said, won't do much, but maybe if things changed and I had more resources available to me, I could make something a little more powerful, but who knows about that? Right. Glad I met you today, Cordy. Glad to meet you today, too, Mr. Globamy. If something were to happen today, I think it would happen in the uh, Royal District sometime midday. So keep your ears out for a lot of commotion. I sure hope that something happening isn't you getting killed. Good <laughs> luck with whatever you're doing. He, like, raises a toast with, like, the the potions. Whoa, 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 don't do that. That's like to drink. I don't know how to. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know. I know what you mean. He goes, the Gatsby like raise a glass yeah. thing. Yeah. And nods at him and uh, walks out with the Ah, He kind of like, he, he like breathes into his hand. <laughs> All right, what? Oh shit. Hold up, hold up, hold up. And Yargan like scoots you against the edge of the building. He goes, <laughs> there they are. Okay. Do you need any last things from me before I go, lad? Somebody should get this to, um, to Barnabas. Since you guys are kind of hidden in cover, strunk, wild shapes, and he goes, I can probably take that. 
I will have to leave you for a bit, but I'm, I trust I can find you again if that's all right with you. Yeah, I'll be in uh, Trevenir and Sons. All right, I'll meet you there, and, uh, well, Mr. Rockbottom, pleasure meeting you. Good luck. And he holds out his hand, and he shakes it, and he says, To you as well. I'll see you in a bit, I suppose. And as he says that, like, you peer around the corner with the organ, and you see two reclaimers walking, being led by reclaimer Captain Logan. And, uh, Jorgen says, I, I still can't stand that asshole. Perfect opportunity. And you see he runs out and he goes, Reclaimer Captain Logan, how's it going? Stand back, rock bottom. Give me a hug, Captain Logan. Stand back. Come here, come here. And he hugs him and then you see Captain Logan shoves him back and he goes, what? Are you grumpy today, Captain Logan? The Goralins all like stand. <laughs> While they're distracted, he's going to make his way to, well, watch. But uh-huh. make his way to Drenavir. Yeah, Drenavir. roll a stealth check with advantage since they are presently distracted. Okay, 24. You pass through unnoticed as you see. Jorgen just kind of keeps pestering Logan in particular. And then he starts trying to tickle him. And you see Logan backhands him hard with the plate-mailed hand to the point where it leaves like a scratch with a little bit of blood running down Jorgen's cheek. And then, while his face is turned, you see Jorgen smile, and he kind of grips his gauntlet hand, and he turns around, and he just fucking decks the shit out of Captain Logan. And the moment he does, both of the reclaimers shove him to the ground and grab him, and you hear, All right. That's it. We're taking him. And you see them begin to drag Jorgen off, and uh, as they do, he kind of winks at you as he sees you entering the, the shop. I can't tell if he's winking or blinking. <laughs> This has been Your Honor. Your Honor features the vocal talents of Nicholas Benetados as Gary Mogbaha. The rest of the world is voiced by your DM, Giancarlo Herrera. Editing was done by Hannah Schooner and Giancarlo Herrera with sound design by Giancarlo Herrera. If you want to support the show, consider checking out the links in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash our patrons get access to exclusive perks like our After the Show show, After the Drimbus, free exclusive merch, bonus series, and the chance to create items for the show or have NPCs named after you. Oh, and don't forget to tweet using hashtag Drimbus to be entered to win a free Dungeons & Drimbus sticker. Thank you all so much for listening, and I do declare, I'll see you all next week. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Edgar said to the interviewer, he was convinced that the thing out there wasn't a vault Yeah, I know what he thought. Dr. Edgar's didn't think it was designed to keep things out. I know what he he thought. He thought it was designed to keep something in. Do you even understand the difficulty trying to keep a base like Fathom at the bottom of the ocean from killing everyone in it on a daily basis? Oh my god. Everyone hold on to something. 
I think whatever is on the other side of that door out there, it's not friendly. I think it's trying to get out. That, my friend, is a dire combination. That's a bad sign. Get out of the door! It's spreading like some kind of technological contagion. We can either stop it here or watch the world burn. Fathom, the first season of Derelict. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or learn more at derelictpodcast.com.